hello everyone welcome to the new episode of everyday talkies now before you jump on to listening to this episode wait take a breath smile get your regular dose of life changing entropy here on everyday talkies Hello guys welcome to the new episode of Everyday Talkies we are back with the 8th no 9th episode for Guns Jumps and Steel and uh, before i reveal to you the chapter name welcome to our co-host Pushkar hello 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 now yeah the chapter name is apples or indians there are lots of things to unpack in this chapter chapter was really really huge so it took us what like embarrassing amount of days to complete this uh, let's leave it at that and record it i mean we are also like we have uh, other things to do as well so that is true. but yeah, this chapter has its interesting set of things but before we come to that and before we unravel the mystery behind apples or indians pushkar why don't you do the honors and i know it's a tough job you have to recap the last eight yeah so basically what this book that we are uh, doing our podcast on is about is how civilizations across the world grew at different rate uh, and so we talk about different civilizations like papua new guinea south america polynesia we take examples from there and uh, basically examine and realize what it was that led to what conditions led to certain people acting in a certain way or certain civilizations uh, evolving before uh, certain other ones and this whole portion of like five chapters is basically about food production and how it contributed to the rise of civilizations across the world and if it contributed at all and specifically now we're at this chapter called apples or indians not us indians the other indians so we're basically going to be talking about if it was that food production started so late in americas because the apple was at fault or because the native american or indian was at fault nice you know actually summarized it i would strongly strongly recommend for everybody who's listening to us and who's joined us from this episode go listen to uh, the other episodes yeah basically we summarized it but it's good so that you know uh, you know we get more traction and you can listen at a faster pace you know i, I don't mind that and it will give you a whole more holistic experience because you know we basically covered from how humans evolved and migrated to where we are now and initially you know when this chapter when the series chapter it's uh, this or yeah part 2 of the book started from pa- farmer par and in the initial chapters were very to and fro it was something which basically t- only told us that you know why farming is important and there was something repetitive so that that is why you know in one of the episodes pushkar had a very heavy rant no and also like uh, they kind of told us why food production became uh, such a trend that it's still going after like 8000 years you know and how it replaced hunter gatherers uh, all around the world uh, and here we basically touch on that a little bit but mostly what we talk about is how it was that certain plants came to be domesticated over the course of thousands of years and why those plants and why it was domesticated in uh, certain places and not the other ones like um, for this chapter specifically the biggest thing is the fertile crescent which is uh, it was funny because uh, when i was reading it i looked up exactly where the first fertile crescent falls because i had a weird thought and it turns out it's actually uh, it actually uh, tracks because um, the fertile crescent is more or less covering the same place as um, you know jerusalem and nazareth and all those places where jesus was born which is uh, i don't know if it's a, just like a really big conspiracy or a coincidence or what i don't know so look conspiracy it's it actually makes sense because you know i had the exact same thought so you know for people who are listening to us fertile crescent is the area which is around you know syria iraq jordan you know taking these names in today's context makes you feel that 
what seriously that is where the first yeah, because started. you always imagine just a desert yeah or even in a cut like see where uh, what is your initial reaction when you say that food was first invented or first discovered here right and like edible food farming so you would think that that place would have reached modern heights and would have you know crossed one like taken one leap up to the other but according to today's news or a news after before a week you know these countries are fighting amongst each other there is no stable government uh, people aren't at this but that's a different story altogether so that is one contrast and from what i learned in school uh, civilization obviously started uh, in the indus valley and uh, we were the ones who domesticated everything uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, and was, of course like public education does not lie so well. and as you men- correctly mentioned right that the fertile crescent uh, you know encompasses the whole of this jerusalem and azad area and it tracks very well that first you have food production and that is how civilizations developed because they get they settled down and things evolved civilizations evolved you have cultures evolving then and with that you have your religion religion evolving as well because we established in the previous chapters right that religion is one of the byproducts of us evolving from hunter gatherer phase to you know settle, uh, settling in one place culturally differentiating each other uh, having classes of people and similarly religion grew accordingly now all that aside uh, that is not really like the topic of our uh, chapter today our chapter is more about um, certain he talks about basic uh, staples that were domesticated um, in the fertile crescent which uh, kind of happened the earliest and not uh, like he takes three examples basically he takes the fertile crescent the mesoamerican uh, basically the eastern american area and you have the southeast asia so what he talks about is there were like this ideal set of plants and animals like five animals and like uh, the certain number of crops that were domesticated in the fertile crescent that gave them a significant advantage or like the presence of these plants gave them an advantage in uh, domesticating these uh, wild plants into farmable crops uh, which did not happen in those other two places because those places had different kinds of plants like corn and all these things and different kinds of animals yeah so just to give a bit more context it's very easy to assume that there are so many plants growing across the world and uh, why was it very difficult for you know us to domesticate them and all of that and the question is basically that which uh, pushkar mentioned and which we will finally answer that why did fertile crescent has the most amount of crops and you know why did other areas like you know europe australia even africa for that matter and california these didn't develop independent there was no independent development of crops but yeah coming to that as i was saying that if you take the numbers there are around 2 lakh wild plant species and more getting discovered as you explore these rainforests more and more but yeah these are plant species specifically focusing on that and we only eat a few thousand so if we assume that we eat everything that grows in the nature it's not true there is only a very handful amount of things that we eat and we we read that in the last chapter right that why do why do we eat certain plants because we are attracted by the fleshy fruit that the plants evolved in a way so that they attract us and we help them pollinate right with big, uh, plants with bigger seeds plants with more oil or fibers and things like that and that is what happened like this chapter is more like the other side of it ki why uh, the people of the fertile crescent uh, domesticated certain types of crops and not certain other crops so uh, it goes into uh, these crops specifically and the amount of protein that they held the seeds that were uh, present what their uses were and because of like uh, because of these crops like three of those crops were protein high crops one of those crops was used for like uh, making hemp and what not and uh, another crop was like rachin oil so you had like oil and you could make stuff from oil and everything so it created the fundamental basis for growing a civilization you know uh, on top of that one question one might you know basically one might not we are basically asking this from the very first chapter why this place over the other place right and that is what what we try to answer that why fertile crescent over north america north america you know we started developing you know plants later or domesticating plants later so 
what was it was it that the humans were dumb there and uh, they could not find the plants to grow or that there were no plants there right there were no good plants that grew there and that's why we could not uh, the humans could not find them and they could not domesticate them and that's why they were more prone to hunter gatherers and they slowly developed into domestication a bit on a later stage first let's try to understand that why fertile crescent and as we talked about uh, basically what i'll do is now just to have a this visual image for all of you who are listening to us i'll have the fertile crescent area as my episode uh, picture so that you can take a look at it and understand which places this encompass but now we'll basically discuss the advantage. yeah it just it kind of looks like a boomerang <laughs> yeah it does it really does with a small uh, handle protruding towards turkey for some reason but okay leaving that aside <laughs> let's discuss the advantages that fertile crescent had like we have been talking about fertile crescent a lot right so let's understand why why that area why is that area so special that crops grew there so pushkar do you want to take the first reason the first reason was that the weather of the fertile crescent uh, it was situated geographically in such a way that it would it could allow for uh, perfect the perfect weather for crops to grow uh, for crops to grow annually in, in like and not depend too much on rainfall it could grow from like the groundwater from the rivers and uh, it could have the whatever it needed to basically sustain a large agricultural food producing society and obviously it had you know dry summers now because the climate is in such form the plants evolved that way right that they did not uh, involve much water much rainfall and so therefore less human intervention and that is how you know the climate aided a, provided a lot of benefits moving into the second advantage that it have was that it was highly abundant now obviously one of statistics that he gives that you know one of the recent not recent but a 20th 21st century scientists they were analyzing how many wild grasses are there that can be edible and obviously there are as i mentioned lakhs so in that case how do we narrow it down so we basically only selected the ones which we are attracted towards right so the basic characteristics are bigger seeds or you know fleshier fruits or these other small characteristics and he basically found out that there were 56 of them so 56 wild grasses grew across the entire world which were we could say the foundations or our ancestral uh, plants from which our edible crops grew now according to the analysis fertile crescent had 36 of them so that's more than 50% of wild grasses grew in fertile crescent so the abundance of it itself had a huge advantage in that area right so the hunter gatherers who themselves were searching for food so you know sources of food are what killing animals or aquatic lifestyle and all of that and but apart from that you also uh, pick out fruits right and when there's so many edible plants ultimately when you pick out fruits you poop them and that is how culture <laughs> agriculture started <laughs> so for more context refer to the last episode <laughs> But yeah, Pushkar, uh, let's go for the third one. This we discussed, I think, in the last uh, chapter. It's like um, these plants that uh, the stuff like uh, wheat and uh, barley and all these things. These things could self-pollinate. They did not require much uh, intervention from animals or humans to basically regrow, which helped in uh, more or less domesticating them and also growing them at a larger rate. Their seeds could be easily obtained and then replanted and uh, pollinated, like all that stuff. Yeah, and. you know just to recap one of the important ideas here is that if you have self pollinating plants they don't really mutate right so whatever plants that we really require and the characteristics we tend to have that more and more because we grow the same crops but if you had yeah. you know uh, crops which cross pollinated then there were more chances of mutations which you can relate with what happens with mammals in general not mutations but yeah more variety uh, but with plants you could not afford to do that so you know self pollinating plants were more preferred and one of the examples of self pollinating or i would say the products of such kinds of plants which we eat on a daily way uh, daily life or i think you ate it today morning was 
bread wheat which grew in fertile crescent and uh, now obviously uh, there's one factor here that these major crops wheat barley as pushkar mentioned right they were high in protein content as well as carbohydrates right so it was a balanced diet because you want to eat food that make you strong and make you feel full also right you can't just that's what the problem was in papua new guinea you had plants that were domesticated that weren't really protein rich so what ended up happening was people would just get big bellies because they would just eat carbs and not enough protein and uh, so you wouldn't really have strength you just you just have like a big ass uh, belly like mine or or on the other spectrum you could also have crops like rice and corn which basically grew in the new world that is our americas which had very very low content of protein so you could not get good amount of um, nutrition uh, there is one like uh, funny line in this where um, where he says that he says about the fertile crescent that um, indeed i am unaware of anyone even seriously suggesting any supported distinctive biological features of the region's peoples that might have contributed to the potency of its food production package so what he's trying to say is he doesn't know of any um, anyone seriously suggesting that the people of the fertile crescent were i guess in a way distinctive or better than uh, people uh, other people around the world which gave them an edge in farming and my mind just went to but you know like that whole region is filled with you know mythology of the either like uh, you know jesus or um, you know <laughs> in egypt you had uh, jews who were the chosen people and uh, you know they then you had god's wrath which wiped out the egyptians and this and that so it it was just kind of funny ah uh, well maybe you know there is a chapter which basically talks about all of this in the later stages so maybe we will get to know what really happened in the fertile crescent how religion developed there and doomed there but okay i guess the main point is that uh, the whole chapter i guess it can be summed up in a way uh, where jared diamond basically says that he's he does not think that the it was the people that were living there that were the reason for the civilization for food production to happen at the time it did it was just like other things like geography the availability of wild species and all that stuff yeah so actually let's expand on that right so we discussed these major advantages but on top of that uh, one can really ask this question on the very first point that he you said that fertile crescent lies in the mediterranean region right so mediterranean climate is the most obvious reduction that it supports farming in a more general way but it is obvious that that is not the only area where mediterranean climate exists there are other places around the world so why is it that fertile crescent was chosen and not the other areas you know we had australia south africa california these had mediterranean climate but uh, farming did not even develop independently there they were all borrowed or the land were used up by the farmers so again he mentions i'll just quickly go through these advantages that he mentions right the first one is that fertile crescent is basically the largest mediterranean area so being the largest obviously has its perks and given that it is large it has the largest climatic variation as well so now it's important to understand that because if plants are annual which we discussed in the very first point right where the climate supported it if the plants are annual you only get to sow and grow plants at one area and that cannot really what do i say help you feed throughout the year right so let's say that you grow the crop on january you can feed for 3 4 months and if you have larger society even less uh, but because they didn't have that sophisticated tools like us where they could store innumerably but there has to be some variety right they have to grow crops in december or you know throughout the year so that they can feed themselves and the society so having varied seasons having varied ranges in the huge area help them there as well yeah plus uh, he also mentions that in mountainous regions the farming became uh, more gradual because you would plant along the mountain and uh, you would start you know, harvest like the plants at the foothills would grow faster than the ones above and so you could uh, harvest at different points of the year which allowed them to have uh, more food year round and i think the fourth one which we will expand on probably in the later chapter but uh, he uh, mentions that 
animals and plants go hand in hand so the more domesticated animals you have it helps you to gather plants so fertile crescent was lucky in that area you know goat sheep pig pig cow all of that domesticated in the fertilizer uh, and the only the only the only useless uh, animal that was petted was the dog i guess that is why we love dogs because they were the earliest come on they were the earliest animals we petted and dogs really don't provide you any edible material in the modern era let's stick to that except you know chinese let's let's leave china out of the equation here if you see goat sheep pig pig cow right all provide you dairy materials or wool for clothing and all the other factors they had uses but dog i don't foresee i have not read about it there's not much in this chapter so maybe we'll get to know more so we'll understand that why you know we had this affinity with dogs from a very early time yeah and we've been talking about why the why fertile crescent um, developed food production as early as it did uh, but he also goes on to basically talk about why papua new guinea and why the uh, mesoamerican civilizations did not because um, largely it included you know um, the lack of uh, protein ha- protein rich uh, plants as well as uh, large enough animals that could be hunted that could be eaten you know so people in papua new guinea were used to uh, eating mice spiders frogs and other other animals which kind of explains the uh, southeast asian cuisine i guess in a and then you had also the fact that there were plants with big enough seeds they couldn't really they were hard to domesticate and also that the food production wasn't really able to completely replace hunter like the practice of hunter hunting gathering uh, which also hindered like the rise of civilization you could say in a way yeah 100% and obviously you know as you had mentioned earlier that new guinea because of its lack of viable crops and lack of protein cannibalism developed there so that's a huge thing right yeah you eating your own kind so the horrific in one way it is it is basically he answers all of these questions and then the initial question that he posed that you know what what was the reason what, what was it the humans who could not gather these crops or was it the apples so answering the first question that was it humans who were dumb enough that they could not find that these plants were uh, you know is like easy enough to be domesticated or could be edible he gives some examples anecdotes from his life right that regarding when he was studying when he was when he was there in ukini as we learned in yali's question and he was he was doing research and uh, then he came across these people who were uh, you know they were trailing and they found some mushroom and they plucked some mushrooms and uh, jared diamond being the smartass he is he said this could be poisonous because american right <laughs> and, yeah. and you know this could be poisonous so please be careful let's not eat this we don't have, and he was traveling with they were farmers or hunter gatherers because obviously they had not developed they were native uh, papua new guineans uh, he mentions this term called ethnobiology which is uh, this kind of this kind of thing that you have innately when you when you uh, evolve in a certain area as a hunter gatherer or something like that that you are able to distinguish between uh, certain wild species or certain uh, types of uh, certain types of plants better than some other people you know because you've kind of grown up with them you've um, you've had this knowledge passed on to you almost uh, genetically in a way so it's interesting like he mentions that it was easy for the, like those people it was easy for the people of the foray tribe to just uh, uh you know to lecture him uh, on the 29 edible mushroom species <laughs> yeah exactly and even in uh, after that you know there were few researches where they found out you know burnt crops from the early eras and they found out that people who gathered crops they were smart enough to gather crops which were good for them so they knew how to distinguish between one place to the and it's very common right it's 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 intuitive to understand that because let's say that i'm living in kolkata i will know the locations in my locality 
uh, probably my city far far better than Kolhapur. The most basic example of this is if you live in Kolkata, you would know which street food to avoid so you don't get diarrhea afterwards. Correct, 100%. Yeah. It's, it's just something that develops innately in a way. 100%. So I think that, that is what he said. And there was this one line which uh, he mentions that basically all the studies he mentioned that these studies generally show that such people are walking encyclopedias of natural history. with individual names in their lo- local language for as many as a thousand or more plant and animal species and with detailed knowledge of those species biological characteristics distribution and potential uses as people became increasingly dependent on domesticated plants and animals this traditional knowledge gradually loses its value and becomes lost until one arrives at a modern supermarket shoppers who could not distinguish a wild grass from a wild pulse <laughs> And it's so true, right? That's you, by the way. That's me. That's hundred percent me. I can guarantee. Like I hardly can distinguish between. Okay, let's not reveal secrets. I might say something <laughs> embarrassing. Let me stop here. But yeah, I can't really distinguish plants that easily. And these guys, because they were so in tune with nature, and it was a point of the survival, right? The most basic example of this, you can still uh, hear this from like if you've had like grandparents who uh, kind of lived in this kind of environment, you can still hear stories from them regarding um, you know what we call call gharelu methods of. Of, uh, solving things like if you if you get injured like put like mustard uh, seed on it or like put not mustard seed exactly something else what yeah, something okay, to do yeah, with mustard haldi there is this haldi obviously and all this yeah exactly so these kinds of uh, what we call home home remedy it is basically in a way ethnobiology no no i was just saying that as you correctly mentioned that you know he after giving advantages of how fertile crescent developed he came to a uh, papua new guinea and he mentioned that you know why there were certain limitations there because th- there was no wild crops out of the 56 wild crops there was none there right and they survived through other crops which uh, did not provide them enough ample food and as you correctly mentioned they relied on aquatic lifestyle and you know high fat diet so hot bellies yeah and another fun thing that he went into that i liked was um, he talks about um, the uninterrupted flow of uh, civilizations europeans like to say that when they came to australia they kind of uh, brought the aboriginal australians from the stone age into the modern world right but jared diamond says that uh, if we look at the patterns of those people during that time uh, we can see that these people in another maybe few thousand years would have naturally arrived at uh, this kind of civilization this modern world civilization by themselves which first of all for like first reason i find very uh, interesting because you if you remember um, when we did our uh, independence day episode with chandan we were talking about uh, like how some people think that the colonization of uh, india by the british was actually a good thing these minor developments like you know people really do say that you know trains or these small small things which they bought or abolishment of these things but yeah go ahead yeah so first of all like if we look at jared diamond's uh, logic and if we look at his pattern we can see that there is there like first of all our societies and all the other colonized societies would have reached uh, uh, like their version of a modern world eventually uh given enough time as well as the funniest fact was just thinking about australia in the year 5500 uh <laughs> reaching the modern stage which is you know when like that was just funny to me personally because when we think of like the vast and distant future the most we can think of is like 100 200 years later and this guy is just dealing in like thousands and thousands of years and we cannot even conceive of like the year 5000 you know 5000 ad that is so true man that's so true that's like 3000 years 3500 years from now and it makes complete sense because if nature took its course and these things gradually developed these people would eventually come to this modern era and obviously it makes sense right because 7 million years ago it came to and it comes back to the first or the second episode that we recorded right after after yali's question where we said that humans evolved from africa it moved and the okay let's start with modern humans it first came in the fertile crescent area european regions and then it migrated and 
that was around a million or two years ago and 40000 years ago they migrated to australia and 11 12000 years ago to americas right so obviously these areas have a head start in terms of human de- uh, evolution or human development so if you give enough time to all the regions and if they are detached they will ind- individually grow up to the modern heights but then again it's a discussion which maybe it's not part of the chapter but we can have it that what is good you can live in solace you can and develop organically which may take more time less time depending on how the natural resources are there or you can be a more globalized structure which has its own pros and cons there are wars there are uh, people being greedy but then you develop faster i mean yeah it's something to think about you know yeah and it's not like people who were hunter gatherers they, they resisted farming you know that was also one more thing that he mentioned that plants are not available or uh, then you know let's stick with hunter gathering and just uh, yolo so <laughs> that did not work so if let's say europeans invaded australia and they bought in crops even the native americans they adopted that right because they knew this was a more sensible approach and we even saw that in south america right where you see some of the native peruvians or people uh, south americans they handshaked with europeans and got their horses and the new weapons in order to survive so they knew what was best for survival and they adopted things so you know you cannot blame indians or native americans for being the stupid ones who could not develop plants it was just that timing was not there yeah the biota and the environment around them that um that fundamentally uh, slowed their growth as a civilization the way it did you know yeah but you know he but he clearly mentions that it's not the fault of crops as well because obviously or here in case apples that even app, it's not that apples not grow in north america but growing apple required a special technique it required grafting because you need to cut a yeah. part of apple grow it and that technique came from australia uh, from europe so when it came from europe americans were good enough to adopt it but they did not develop those things in time obviously because of the delayed head start and obviously we also discussed because of the lack of environmental factors the lack of wild plants that were available in that area i don't know whose fault you could say and who's no i don't think it's about fault as much as it is about uh, just the luck of the draw circumstance like this is the conversation that uh, people have about privilege right when like uh, conservatives want to be shitty about something they'll be like oh if we're talking about privilege how long back do we have to go like you know uh, like uh, when there are conversations of like reparations for like uh, colonialism and all that so people like to say that our generation did not really do this it was our ancestors so why should we pay for it and this and that but it's not really about that so the conversation of privilege it comes um, to the point where we it, it the point it's trying to make is that you have to recognize that because of the circumstances that you were born in that you had certain privileges that certain other people around the world did not and that is what makes you different from them that is what kind of puts an obligation on you as just like a citizen of the world to help out or like to um, not take not exploit that fact so that's just what the conversation is about so i i guess if there's a lesson to be learned from this whole thing of apples or indians it's that yes there are dif- differences of you know circumstance that uh, that lead to uh, certain people growing slower than certain other people Uh, but it does not mean that you should take advantage of that or it does not mean that you are necessarily better than the other person and it goes the opposite way as well right that you can't just blame the circumstance that okay you grew up in this place which did not have these facilities and uh, you were in the bad luck draw so you know you blame your life you blame the privilege that others have and you don't you know and you fail to succeed yeah there are hindrances right, right, yeah. but obviously you have to work enough and you know given in a world that we live today it's getting shorter right that i understand i acknowledge all the privileges that we belong to right you know being a male itself in today's world shocking to say is a privilege and uh, especially in a orthodox society like art so we have to acknowledge in which place we are in the ladder and help out the other ones but even if we lack 
and if, even if we, like if others look down upon us we have to you know put that effort and uh, rise up the ladder in some way or the other because luck can only define the initial years of our life i guess and after that it's up to you how you deal with it how you uh, make of it yeah not that everything will remain the same because as world progresses uh, you grow and let's say if you survived this right if you survived uh, this discrimination your kids would not and that is a civilization advances right and hopefully we'll have this utopian society star trek utopian society where everyone is equal in one way or the other i mean yeah that's the hope uh, as long as we don't make the same mistakes you know over and over and over and over again so on that note i think it's a good place to end the podcast for now uh, for people listening to us thank you for doing so and we i hope you answered the questions that why was it fortel cassette and why was it not the other places what are the other shortcomings and maybe like a new way to look at the apples or indians question and uh, yeah a bit of life lesson there in the end but yeah i think that's a nice place to end this uh, till then thank you everyone for this quiz episode next chapter will come and understand how animals helped in farming or domestication and all of that though i'm not ready yeah, forward yeah. so let's see are there going to be dogs in it <laughs> till then thank you guys we'll catch you in the next episode bye bye thank you for listening to this episode follow us on social media and do let us know if you want to be part of the next episode till then live long and prosper